Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Draft Day Edition. Hope you guys had a great Thursday evening. I am joined, as always, by the wonderful, the one, the only, Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, what a Thursday, man. Two blockbuster trades. Maybe not blockbuster, but two fantasy-altering trades in the wide receiver. Those are big trades. They're big trades. Uh, Six wide receivers went. We got a quarterback. It was a great day. And and just, you know, pedal to the metal on making picks. (laughs) You know? Like, this is my first year to, like, be, like, full-time at PFF covering a draft. And, wow, like... I got thrown right into the fire, Ian. Like, it was awesome, though. But, like, yeah, trying to keep up with it all. Like, we're all we're instant messaging each other. Like, who's got which trade? I don't know. Like, somebody's got it. Somebody we were did. moving. We made it work. <laughs> and now we get to respond to it, Dwayne. We have spent the better part of the last three months theorizing, proph- prophesizing, wherever the hell you want to say, Ising, about where these guys are going to go. Now we finally know. So let's kick things off with two trades. Uh, I will say this, Dwayne. I was having a much better Thursday until the Titans had to go and trade one of my favorite players in the league, obviously one of the best wide receivers in the league, A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles. My God, we knew the guy was on the trade block. We'd heard the rumors. I'd done a couple, you know, just stupid mock fantasy trades, you know, prof- wondering where he could go, Cowboys or this or that. The Eagles are objectively one of the worst spots he could go, Dwayne. If you look at their run play rate last year, after they basically gave up on Jalen Hurts as a passer, which was in Week 8 against the Detroit Lions, they got in a win streak, running the hell out of the ball. It worked. They made the playoffs. Good for you, Nick Sirianni. But before that, fifth in pass play rate. After that, 32nd. We already have Devontae Smith there. We already have Dallas Goddard there. I truly believe A.J. Brown's a top 10 wide receiver talent in the NFL, Dwayne. But how much can he do when, seriously, like 110 targets might be hard to come by? Yeah, no, I'm I'm still I'm still gonna be like way higher on AJB on AJB. I mean, everything you just said was right. I mean, trailing by four or more points, the Eagles threw the ball fourteen. They ran the ball fourteen percent more than the league average when they were within three points. They ran the ball ten percent more than the league average when they were leading by four or more points. They ran the ball sixteen percent more than the NFL average. Like, not just saying like two or three percent, like way above. But Jalen Hurts did take a step forward last year as a passer. I mean, he made a jump, you know, as far as his, you know, com- uh, adjusted completion percentage, 65%, jump up to 74%. Um, they do have three good receiving weapons. So, like, I- I'm wondering if even we don't see something more in the middle. I don't think we'll see the pass-heavy offense that we saw early last season. But, I mean, that was what Nick Sirianni really did want to run. He actually wanted to be more pass-heavy. They didn't work out. They had to revert to the run. I'm thinking the offense is going to land somewhere in the middle this year. Um, you know, I'm still going to, you know, project them as, you know, conservatively. But here's the thing. A.J. Brown, man, he's just proven he's way better than Devonta Smith. Like, I, I just, like, yeah. I like Smith. But, I, man, you know, A.J. Brown's a much more rugged player. Um, they're going to use him on play action, which, you know, they set up really well. Work him in behind the linebackers. Work those in-breaking routes. Get him into the, get him into the the space off of those sort of things so i think aj brown i think aj brown will clearly lead this team your mind almost I, your mind almost made you say aj green there and that's a bad sign it, Dwayne. he's it, not it, a top <laughs> 10 he's not a top 10 fancy wide receiver anymore oh, I'm a, that's the problem I'm gonna, I'm gonna grade him as a low end wide receiver one watch me still yeah well oh, dude he's man. that good man he did he's look he's just too good Ian. he's too good like he's way better than the other guys that are there i mean just Looking at what he's already done, you know, in his career, you know, his yards per route run, his targets per route run. I mean, everything about him screams absolute superstar. AJ so Brown like, or I, Debo Samuel if he stays in San Francisco? Debo. AJ Brown or CeeDee Lamb? 
I'll go CD, but that's where it gets close for me. What about Keenan Allen? Um, I'll go AJ Brown. I don't mind mixing in Keenan Allen, but I'm going to buy into the younger talent. We have that much faith in Hurts. We all saw everyone in the comments, everyone watching on YouTube and Twitter right now. They saw that performance against the Buccaneers, Dwayne. It was not pretty. And I will say this. I tuned in to the lovely PFF draft show. You guys should check it out. You know, I'm assuming that the ESPN show was telling us, you know, the worst thing that ever happened to all these guys as soon as they were drafted. And in the hardest household, we did not have the ESPN broadcast on. Positive vibes were being spread around. But the one thing Collins were said after this trade happened, because everyone was like, oh, look, they're going all in on Jalen Hurts. This is great, getting him some more weapons. And it is great for Jalen Hurts. Like, it's definitely good for his fantasy, real-life value, and all that. Collinsworth's point was, Hurts might be only getting the 2022 uh, tryout. After that, who knows who they're going to bring in. Last two Super Bowl champions only had their quarterback for that first season. So, man, just so no change to you, Dwayne, going from Ryan Tannehill to Jalen Hurts. Look, I guess, oh, hold on, hold on, I will say, I'm, let me finish my thought. I will say he is, he was already in one of the most run-first offenses in the league. So that part of it, Maybe I'm there. overstating, but Tannehill yeah. to Hurts—that's a downgrade. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's yeah, it's Ooh. it's a it's a it's a slight downgrade. Look, I like Tannehill, but I mean, Jalen Hurts, like his accuracy wasn't terrible last year. I already talked about the adjusted completion, you know, percentage. You know, I mean, Devonta Smith was a rookie. Like, is it all on Jalen Hurts? Like, I mean, it's not like the receivers were really that great. So, when I just look at the 2.49 yards per route run, 2.65 yards per route run, 2.67 yards per route run for AJ Brown over his first three seasons. Man, I'm, I hope everybody lets AJ Brown start sliding down okay. the board. I would love to get AJ Brown like in the third round of a fantasy draft this summer. I just look, there's just certain players like, you know, it's just hard to not go ahead and, and bet on the talent. And, and you came to the right spot, which is he already played in one of the most run heavy offenses. This one's only slightly more. And look, you can't project them to be that heavy in the run. Like most teams that are that heavy the next year, guess what? They regress more towards, you know, they can still be run heavy, but not as not as run heavy as what the Eagles were last year. So I think that you're going to see the Eagles team throw the ball similarly, you know, to what we saw um, with the Titans. I do agree a slightly more target competition. I do agree he takes a slight downgrade, you know, um, in quarterback. But like he's still a very talented player. I think like thinking anything like in the wide receiver three range is crazy. Like if you want to move him into like mid range wide receiver two, high end wide receiver two, I think that that's fine. Like I think that's a good conversation. I, I, I'm. It's not like you know I just have to have an absolute stake in the ground on AJB as still being a wide receiver one. Um, but I think going to wide receiver three is too far. Certainly more so maybe in that mix of guys like Mike Evans, T. Higgins, you know, Terry McLaurin versus the AJ, I mean, excuse me, versus the Debo's, C.D. Lambs, even Tyreek Hills of the world. But ballers are going to ball regardless of It definitely makes me want to mix it up more. Yeah. Like, like, you know, before I would, you know, very happy getting as quickly as I could to like a 20, 25% exposure on A.J. Brown. Now... I'm definitely going to be mixing all of those guys. So, I mean, to sit here and say that it doesn't like change my confidence in him any, like, no, I'm not saying that it does. It does some, but I think overall the situation is still pretty close to what it was. Devonte Smith, someone that Dwayne, I believe we both had in the wide receiver three range before this happened. Are we changing much? Dropping a little bit. He's AJB is going to be a number one there. Dallas Goddard's not going anywhere. I do think bringing AJB increases the pass game volume of the offense, but my God, it's not going to be enough like where Devontae is getting more targets at this point. I, I, what I worry about with Devontae is the way, he, the way he wins in the separation game with the route running. It's very timing-oriented. Like, and that's the thing we haven't seen yet from Jalen Hurts. Like, you know, dropping back, popping, getting the pass out right on time, having the accuracy. He's, 
he's more of a see it, read it, throw it kind of guy, which I think plays into a rugged player like AJB. Like it plays into what he can do well. A little worried about Devonta Smith. I mean, Devonta was still good. Like if we look at his, you know, his PFF rookie receiving grade, you know, it was good. He had his uh, targets per route run right at 20%. So, I mean, there were really good things about him as a rookie. Like, so it's not like a player we want to immediately fade. But this does make me downgrade Devonta more than does AJB, just because we've seen, again, the 29% targets per route run. Like, AJB, like, he can be a 30% target share guy. And and that definitely puts a damper, you know, on the other weapons in the offense. Devonta Smith or Chase Claypool? Redraft. I still lean to Devonta, but, like, it's gotten closer. Like, I bet you Devonta falls around to two rounds on this news. I don't think AJB will fall as far. Devonta Smith or Michael Gallup, and we know his knee's fine. And we know what? The knee is fine. Yeah. I still take Devonta Smith. Okay. So a little bit of a downgrade for Devonta. But hey, if this does seem to indicate we're going to get a more pass-heavy offense, how could you not trade for A.J. Brown throw the ball a little more? So maybe it is going to be a net positive for both guys. But yeah, Dwayne, biggest point that we talked through there that I'm happy, you know, got out of the system there, not going to make the mistake of holding that Eagles run-heavy offense against him because he just came from sharing the field with freaking Derrick Henry. Let's talk about the other big trade now. Ravens went ahead and shipped Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. Apparently, the artist known as Hollywood requested a trade. We'll now be back together with former Oklahoma teammate Kyle Murray. So last season, that's, you know, we'll get to Hollywood in a second, Dwayne. Let's face it. The big winner here is Rashad Bateman. All of you Bateman dynasty truthers out there, everyone that said he was going to be the wide receiver one last year, regardless, Dwayne and I, you know, weren't down on Bateman, but I think we tried to recognize the fact that Hollywood during his NFL career has shown the ability to be an upside wide receiver too in fantasy land. And he had one hell of a first eight games last year before the Lamar Jackson injury just kind of spiraled uh, his big play threat. So we have Hollywood out of the picture now though, Dwayne changes everything. How high is too high to rank Bateman? Because at first glance, man, he absolutely needs to be at worst in that upside wide receiver tier with guys like Darnell Mooney and Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I mean that's where he, that's that's where he's going to be. Like a, you know, right now he's sitting outside of it, like a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. Now he's going to be in the upside wide receiver three range. You know, he'll he's going to climb a lot. <laughs> like right now, you'd been so he's another one that we had been talking about drafting because guess what happens now? The trade helped. But the young receivers tend to move up. He had been going around 10 and 11 in ADP, you know, over the last couple, you know, weeks in best ball over at FFPC. Now, you know, you're probably going to see him sneak up into around like seven territory. So, um, and I think that's fine. I mean, it might even get a little bit higher than that. Um, I do wonder, the Ravens now, you know, they're going to be, they've really got two passing game weapons, not three. Um, I think we could see the Ravens run the ball a little bit more. That could be what they're telling us here. Um, they get their spend. running backs back. I mean, it's be a good time to. I mean, that that Getting really could. Backs. Dwayne, like I know we talked about the pass play rate increasing last year. I think Lamar, you know, being his fourth year with the team and just taking steps forward as a passer was was a reason why. But losing freaking J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, like we saw That's how part of it. Yeah. we saw how rough that was for stretches with Latavius Murray. I mean, sh- shout out Devontae Freeman. He did some okay things uh, down the stretch there, but. That could the core of the Ravens man might just be run the piss out of the ball, and this seems to be as as good of any indication in any indication that we could have gotten. Yeah, and the Ravens go D uh, with uh, Hamilton, you know, at safety with their first pick, and then they come back with Tyler Linderbaum, center, um, pick twenty five. So, you know, I, I will probably end up adjusting the Ravens' expected pass rate down slightly, not a bunch, 
probably like a percentage point or two. And I think it'll still be fine for Bateman, right? Because now you just really have two guys. You don't have to worry about, you know, feeding three players. So even if the offense is a little bit more um, run heavy than what it was last year, um, I don't think they'll revert all the way back to their 2000, you know, 20, 2019, which was like one of the most run heavy teams in the league, actually probably the most run heavy team in the league those years. I don't think they'll quite get to there, but I do think this, you know, draws back a little bit, but again, like, Bateman doesn't have to worry about Hollywood anymore. So I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna do it, like it's gonna happen. Bateman or Mike Williams? It's a good one. I think. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm gonna want exposure to both of those players. You're asking some really good ones, but that's that's to hear me even pause there. Like that's the range Bateman's gonna probably be going. In. How about yeah, ba- ba- Bateman or Amari Cooper? I'm gonna go Bateman. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking the same thing, man. I'm seeing like, and, I, and you know, we love Amari. Like we talk yeah. up Amari, but he, his game is really kind of one dimensional. He's really good at his one thing. He's a great route runner. He really gets open, but he just doesn't have the rack and the other things that he used to have. And maybe he'll have a bounce back year, but he's getting, despite the fact that he's still only 22, he's been in the league a while now. Um, so, you know, he's, it's, it's taken a little bit of a toll, I think on Amari. And we just have questions about what the quarterback situation is going to look like there early in the year. So that would make me lean to a guy like Bateman, but I think you're nailing it. Like that's right around where we're going to be, be thinking about Bateman and the unknown, you get drawn to the unknown because like, even when Mike Williams, you know, for the most part, like his whole career, we've seen what he is, but we saw that early flash last year that made us think, Oh, maybe we don't know what he is. Maybe, maybe he could really be more, but like with, with Bateman, like it's a completely clean slate. Like he could still be a 25, 30% target share guy. We're, we know that Amari Cooper's not. Yeah. Very fair. I have my ranks uh, sharing on the screen for you YouTubers out there. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always. These are from earlier in April. So not a hundred percent updated, obviously not updated with all the stuff going on today, but yeah, Dwayne at first glance, I mean that wide receiver 21, 22 area, you know, behind the Deontay Johnson, Chris Goblin, uh, kind of that tier. I could see Bateman slipping in there. It'd be a tier with a handful of guys, Mike Williams. I I think Cooper is very close as well. Uh, But yeah, certainly, you know, very much on the rise for Bateman and everyone that was you know, reaching on the guy with some rookie picks last year, obviously feeling great about doing that. Now, let's talk about the Cardinals and the other side of things. Now, great news for Kyler Murray, similar to Jalen Hurts. You add a good wide receiver into your offense, it's good for the quarterback. Just shocking, you know, hardcore analysis you're getting here from PFF people. But the one thing with the Cardinals, adding Hollywood to this, man, I'm pissed as someone, Dwayne, you've been right here with me. We've been screaming to the roofs and the souls on them about Rondale Moore and his potential to be a number two pass game option here. That seems to be out the window. Not saying he can't start, but once again, we're going to have to look at Cliff Kingsbury and ask, are you going to pick A.J. Green or Rondale Moore? Because Hollywood Brown, I think he could play either, man. And we've seen it in this offense. The receivers don't move around. We know Ertz is going to be out there. They got 34 million reasons, I believe, to keep him out there. Hopkins is going to be there and they re-signed AJ Green and Antoine Wesley so Dwayne the question is we know Hopkins is there is Hollywood going to take over for AJ or Rondell Moore I really hope it's on the outside for AJ I think that adds a missing piece to the offense but then even if we get what we want which is Hopkins uh, Hollywood Brown Rondell Moore and three wide receiver sets we still got Hurts. I mean it's a crowded passing game and one of the things I have up here on the screen like Kyler last year This is why Hopkins wasn't balling out in the first part of the year like we all expected him to. Target leaders, weeks one through seven, Hopkins 44, Christian Kirk 36, A.J. Green 35, Chase Edmonds 32, Rondale Moore 31. Their top five targets were all within 14 targets of each other. Like with all this going on, Dwayne, it's going to be tough to reach on any of these guys if they're going to be going in that wide receiver two, wide receiver three range. Yeah, especially if, 
you know, the Cardinals aren't going to go ahead and just like, we keep waiting for them to just really say, look, we're going to drop back and throw the ball all the time. They don't. They really are more conservative when it comes back to how often they drop back. They're not like, you know, Ravens, you know, two years ago conservative. They're not Eagles conservative, but, you know, they're right there borderline. Like their, their drop back rate, you know, is right around 60%, which is really conservative. Like if, if we knew Kyler was going to be, you know, in the 65, 68% range, um, you know, up there, like what we get to see from Mahomes and some of the other guys, we'd feel better about it. But because we know that it's going to be a little more conservative and we know now you're going to split that up across all these guys. Yeah, I think it hurts, you know, everyone. Um, I mean, I am excited for Hollywood. I, I think he basically stays neutral. Like he was already in the same situation. He was in an offense where you got to spread it around across three players that, you know, was pretty, you know, balanced by league standards today. Right. Even though the even though the, the Ravens threw the ball more last year. Um, so I think for Hollywood, it's neutral. I think it's probably a slight downgrade for DeAndre Hopkins for me. Like, it's not going to, like, knock him way down the board, but it's tough to see a path, right? I'm less inclined to gets... pick him ahead of the guys, like, in that same tier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and then I think, you know, Ertz, we weren't really expecting a ton from. Like, we were thinking 18 20% targets. You know, he's probably still going to be safe in that range. But the big question mark really is Ron Moore. Um, and I can't answer the question. I wish that I could. Um you know, Hollywood does get to go back and play with Kyler Murray. They played together in college at Oklahoma. So, I mean, that that could be a potential plus for Hollywood. But, I mean, Hollywood, you know, there is a chance, like, he kind of slots into that Kirk role, right? Where That's you know, what I'm he's saying. really more the downfield guy. I mean, It wouldn't be the first know. time we saw Rondale hit the bench. Like, it happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm mad yeah, it happened it, still, but it happened. Yeah, it could happen. Like, so the, the good news is Rondale Moore's ADP hadn't already got out of hand. Like, he was around 10 pick. This will probably push them down to around 12. You'll probably get a one to two round discount. So you're still going to be able to go ahead and get your exposure to Rondell Moore. The problem is it's like his ceiling is going to have to come through other things we can't control. Like all of a sudden Hollywood misses games. Uh, you know, uh, you get, I don't think AJ Green missing time matters. I think that's him and Wesley are sharing that outside role. Like that's what's for whatever that's reason. I know, I know. Kingsbury, that's what it's like. Oh. Hey, I got to have this kind of proto. This this is the type of player I want playing this role, which is concerning. So Rondell Moore, his problem is like, he just doesn't have a lot of outs because it's like he has to play the slot role. If he doesn't, like he's screwed. Like Hollywood can kind of move all over the formation. We know DeAndre Hopkins is going to be out there a lot. So, Just um, one thing, Dwayne. But for Kyler, dude, it is huge. Huge oh, for Kyler. Like great. Kyler, like I was already – higher than pretty much everyone on him. I had him in the top tier with Josh Allen. I don't like this because he still would have been great, but now his ADP is going to go up. Man, he was going in the sixth round. I know. We got, we got him once. I think we got him once. But the one the we one did. thing you were really trying to hammer home in our pre-draft uh, best ball drafts was just the fact that someone like Rondale Moore where, yeah, we could envision scenarios what would happen if the Cardinals used high draft capital on a wide receiver or traded for someone. And we knew that if they didn't, Rondale's Moore stock, is, it was going to skyrocket because he was being priced closer to his floor. Now, imagine if the Bills had traded for, for uh, Marquise Brown tonight and like how that would have impacted Gabriel Davis. He'd be going down to exactly like where Rondale Moore is right now. So the fact that we did get some Rondale didn't really hurt us. You know, I'm not going to be as actively going after him now at that same spot, but not exactly, you know, tanking the old lineup. But Dwayne, 
Good trade talks. Had to get through that. Let's talk some freaking draft now. This actually, you know, stuff that happened. Players that now have their employers for the foreseeable future. And the wide receiver one happens to be none other than Drake London to the Atlanta Falcons. Pick number eight. As someone that what that had a little bit of money on the Falcons, plus odds taking an edge or defensive lineman first. I was a little bit bummed. But you know what? We got Drake London in as good of a spot as you could have asked for for target competition. In terms of available wide receiver targets. So 2021 total, subtracting the amount of guys that have left. Left that team. If you look at London, man, third highest amount of wide receiver available targets. Only the Chiefs and the Packers had more ready, vacated targets just to be had. I mean, the wide receiver room before today, Auden Tate, who I love and I maintain is a great receiver, but let's face it, probably shouldn't be your wide receiver one in the year 2022. Auden Tate, Olamide Zacchaeus, and Demir Bird was this team's starting three wide receivers. Kyle Pitts usually is hanging out in the slot or out wide. Anyone, I've you know talked about that at length more than a few times. But now Drake London, at worst, the number two pass game option in this offense. Dwayne, the question is, how much is a one or num- or is a one or a two in an offense led by Marcus Mariota really worth in fantasy land? You know, looking at what AJ Brown and Corey Davis were able to do in stretches really only occurred with Ryan Tannehill under center. What do we think about Drake London despite having all these available targets? Yeah, I think it's still tough, though, to think of him as not being a borderline low end like wide receiver three. You know, like I think you still have to consider him right in that range because, I mean, everything's going to really have to go to London and Pitts. They'll get some of Cordell Patterson involved as well. But, I mean, it's just it's the target volume is going to be there. Like what's not probably going to be there right out of the gate is like big upside off of that target volume because you're going to be dealing with, you know, Marcus Mariota at quarterback. Um, They're going to want to try to run the ball more if they can, but the Falcons are probably going to be in so many trailing scripts. It's not going to matter. They're just going to have to drop back and throw the ball more. So with London, I like to think of it, you know, um, you know, it's almost like you're going to be getting kind of like a potentially, even though he doesn't play slot, but production similar, like what you might think, you know, from Jarvis Landry in a good year, right? Lots of targets. You're probably going to get quite a few catches, but are you going to get a lot of touchdowns? Probably not. Like you might get three or four, you know, that, that might kind of be like what we're hoping for, but he could still haul in 80 receptions, 90 receptions and get a thousand yards. Like, I think that's within his range of outcomes. You're just the, the, the ceiling is not there with Mariota. Drake, London or Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm going to go Thielen. I agree. Drake London or Gabriel Davis. I'm going London over Davis. I, uh, if the Bills don't do anything else, you can make I, the argument for the ceiling on on Davis. Yeah. Like you can make the opposite. You know, it's it's close, man. That's but, about right. That's about that's about the area though. Uh, get, uh, Drake London or Juju Smith Schuster. Oh man, you know I don't like Juju. I would go Drake uh, too. Just say it. Speak it into existence. Yeah, I would, I would go. I would. I would go Drake London. Drake London or Devonte Smith. Probably still go. I go dry. I go Drake London. Low end, wide receiver three. Has the upside for more. Maybe he is going to go out there just mossing kids, looking like the number one wide receiver that he was drafted to be. But I think that low end wide receiver three range is about where he is going to fall. Dwayne, immediately. Dynasty, you got to love him, man. Pick eight. You know, Does it change your um, uh, dynasty ranks? I believe you had him wide receiver four. Um, you know, again, it's a tier. He was in the tier one. Um, yeah, honestly, so, but. yeah, the capital is going to – and I haven't – I don't have the – actual model open i just have what, what i was submitting like this for the uh but we'll have it up we'll have it up on sunday like they will have it in that they all went within four picks of, of each other range. though like is it i understand like yeah, there but, might but, be but certain thresholds but is it really that not, big of a difference 
Well, it's not just that. It's more about London, you know, before the draft, I had him at like pick 16. So he moved up okay. more than the other guys. That's fair. That's fair. So I'll have to look. Like, it was really close anyway. They were all, there was a reason, like, I just said, look, it's tier one. Like, because they were all so close um, based on all of the inputs. So, Are we going Drake London redraft rookie wide receiver one ahead of these guys? I mean, if we think the talent is close, he seems to have the easiest avenue to targets. And let's face it, like, no, we're not thrilled. Marcus Mariota. They all have quarterback challenges. Yeah, exactly. None of the quarterbacks are great with, I would say, some due respect to Ryan Tannehill out of these guys. Tannehill, absolutely. Like, I think. Even Jameis, too. I think. Shout out to Jameis. I honestly, like. I, look, we're, we're processing this all like live, but yeah. I, I want to say I like Traylon Burks the most out of all of these. Ooh, wow. For this year, for a redraft. Yeah, I mean, you get Ryan Tannehill. We talked about Traylon so many times, you know, and we talked about what's he good at. He's good at in-breaking routes, slants, crossing routes. Get him into space, get the ball on him. Tannehill is an accurate quarterback. Let him run after the catch. We talked about, like, don't probably want to have him go somewhere where he's, like, having to run go routes and do all this stuff all the time. And it was all about, could he land in a scheme that could really do that for him? Well, A.J. Brown had more play-action targets than any other receiver last year in the NFL. 43% of his target, 43% of A.J. Brown's targets came on play-action last year. So they're going to put Burks right into that role. Like, will he be able to handle it? We don't know. Like, he definitely has some rawness to his game that he's going to have to work through. Even, I even saw that Greg Cosell, had, you know, I saw a tweet earlier today that his comp was A.J. Brown. I think the first comp I gave you, like back in February, um, when people were talking about Debo, I was like, no, it's A.J. Brown. Like, that's who I thought. Now, I've, I've seen other people say, no, that's not a good comp. Whatever, you know. Um, I, I saw certain traits. They're not the exact same player, but I saw similar traits. A.J. Brown was definitely probably a more, not probably, he was a more polished overall route runner that we had seen do more. But remember, I mean, A.J. Brown played inside too, um, you know, a lot in college. So the big knock on Traylon Burks, 20% of his targets coming at or behind the line of scrimmage. Um, but if they're going to design that kind of stuff and get it to him, which they didn't do a ton of that, you know, for A.J. Brown. But I, I, I like the idea of getting him on play action, getting the ball in his hands, giving him space in front of him. Like I think that's the best you could have asked for. Is a, is a scheme like that for Burks. And he gets the best quarterback out of all these. So Dynasty, he won't rank number one, but I think for redraft this year, I would rank him number one right now. He's at a minimum a top two wide receiver in his own offense, which you would like to think if you're taking the guy in the first round, that will be the case. Not guaranteed, though, for Jahan Dotson. Not guaranteed for... Okay, Chris Olave will be a top two wide receiver. I guess we'll see if Alvin Kamara is going to be getting the same sort of target share with Jameis under center. But the other guy, Dwayne, that we got to at least question it is with Garrett Wilson and the New York Jets. This is a crowded passing game. This is not like the Falcons, not like one of these teams that just had nothing at wide receiver. Now, I'm not saying that Garrett's going to be on the bench. I think that's going to be all pro returner. Braxton Berrios obviously taking that seat. With that said, though, we have Zach Wilson at quarterback, who did not show us anything last year to make us think that he can enable one, even let alone two high-end fantasy wide receivers. And then we also got to worry about Elijah Moore and Corey Davis. You know, I think a lot of people, yourself included, would, would have considered Elijah Moore the number one wide receiver in this class if he would have been coming out in 2022. So from that sort of, you know, standpoint, we're looking at Garrett Wilson as the number two wide receiver in an offense that has a 
Number three, that's plenty involved. Like we could at least see a situation, you know, I'll throw, you know, last year's Dallas Cowboys team, for example, like Corey Davis could be a Michael Gallup type player in terms of target share he's getting. And then just with the overall situation, man, Garrett, 183 pounds. Like if you do talk to draft experts who have concerns, it's maybe his physicality. And does he nuance quite enough as a route runner? Wouldn't be shocked if maybe the best years of Garrett Wilson happened two, three years down the line. Is Garrett Wilson someone we want to be going after, Dwayne? Because right now in the Jets offense, I don't really see anyone I want to be just really trying to nail in at the prices they're going to be at. Yeah, I don't think Garrett Wilson will go in the first 10 rounds. Like, I think he'll be a 10th round pick. I think he'll be a 10th or 11th once this all settles out. Like Because he, he was already sitting 8th and 9th. This is going to move him down because people don't believe in Zach Wilson. Um, we know it's an offense that actually you know is based off the 49ers offense. They would like to run the ball more. They're not projected to win very many games, so they're going to be in trailing scripts. But either way, it's like if they become a better team and they start winning, guess what? They're probably going to be running the ball more, um, and they've made moves this offseason. They've added the two tight ends so they can run more of the big personnel stuff. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions with Wilson. Like he's my number one – he was ranked as my number one prospect. You was. Know, receiver coming in. Yeah. But, I mean, for 2022, like, I mean, he's still going to be my number one for Dynasty. But okay. For, but for 20 – well, I say that. Like, i got to run it all. But, I mean, it's, it's going to be close. Um, but as far as for 2022, like, I'm just – I'm less excited because there's so many things that have to happen, right? You know, Wilson has to take a step forward. He has to make sure he locks in the number two role. They still have Corey Davis there because if they're using 12 personnel and 21 personnel – and they're not always in 11, well, then that could mean he could be off the field when they're in two wide receivers, right? Or maybe they do run three wide. But now you're talking about, okay, Zach Wilson has to get better. He's or He has to win a top two role, or they have to run more 11 personnel, and you got to keep Braxton Berrios off the field. And then you got to think about, you know, just the fact that, okay, what if they are better and they somehow the Jets take this leap that we're not expecting – are they really going to keep passing it all the time? Like if all these guys are good, they're probably going to pull back and it's going to be like the 49ers. So I feel like there are ceilings like all over the place that like he's just going to be bumping into even if he kind of starts to get on a roll. So I want exposure to Garrett Wilson because I like him. He's a really good player. But I think you hit it nail on the head, right? Like probably a guy we're more excited about in two or three years from now. Of course, we need Wilson to cooperate. But for this year, a guy that I'm definitely not taking inside the top 10 rounds. Garrett Wilson or Christian Kirk? I'm still just going to – I'll take a swing on Garrett Wilson. I'm not a big believer in Christian Kirk. But, I mean, it's close. You're, you're Garrett, Wilson, Garrett Wilson or Brandon Ayuk? Brandon Ayuk. Garrett Wilson or Michael Gallup with a healthy knee? Probably Gallup. Garrett it's Wilson close. or Tyler Lockett? Lockett. Lockett. Yeah. Okay, Garrett Wilson, a little bit down from Drake London, fair to say, and probably Traylon Burks at this point. Prop – you know, I know, Dwayne, we're doing this an hour after the draft ended. We got, I'm not holding you no, to your word for the rest no, no, of the time. No, no, I feel good about what we're, yeah, okay. we're going to, we'll evolve. But I feel it's looking like Garrett's wide receiver three in redraft. Yeah. 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 Because Jamison, you're still dealing with the injury. Yeah. Um, we'll get to know, that. So yeah. we'll get to that in a minute. 
The next Ohio State Buckeye, 11th overall pick, New Orleans Saints selected Chris Alave. Should now be him and Michael Thomas in two wide receiver sets. In terms of available targets, not that many, just 15% of their wide receiver 2021 opportunities all available. That ranks 19th in the NFL. But in terms of the depth chart, yeah, Michael Thomas, he's number one. But he's out there. He's played only seven games since 2000. Other than that, Traquan Smith, Deontay Hardy, Marquez Callaway. No one that's going to keep Alave off the field after the Saints traded up to acquire his services. Here's the question, though, Dwayne. We have Jameis Winston there. I love Jameis. You love Jameis. All the listeners, I hope, love Jameis. Because even when he's bad, the guy is entertaining as hell. Who knows what he's going to do next, especially the workouts. My God, like just one entertaining shit after another. But the Saints did not want to see that Jameis last year. The Saints ranked dead last in situation-neutral pass play rate in weeks one through seven when Jameis was their quarterback. This was not 2019. I'm going to throw the ball 60 times, even if six of them get caught by the defense. Bruce Arians, you know, Jameis. This was not that guy, pal. So, Dwayne, with that version of Jameis, maybe it is a situation like Philly where, you know, adding this sort of firepower will, will, you know, coerce the coaching staff to throw the ball more than it did last year in a lesser offense. But even then, man, it seems like a leap of faith to expect them to go from literally one of the most run-heavy offenses to anything more than average, a little bit below average. And with that said, Alave's definitely going to be a number two, you would think, behind Michael Thomas. 96 million reasons, I believe, to feature Thomas. And we also got to worry about Kamara. For me, Alave, probably a better real-life draft pick than someone we should be getting overly excited about in fantasy. Yeah, I mean, he and Wilson are tough. Like, they're right there together. Like, I think they both battle the same things. Like, Winston, we're not super excited about. You just mentioned it. They're they're going to be a conservative offense if they can, I believe. Like, there's potential, right, that they could kind of unleash. Um, I would say that if, if for some reason Michael Thomas isn't healthy, I mean, we haven't seen him on a football field in like a year and a half. Yeah. So, I mean, if there are issues with Thomas's, you know, um, health, that would definitely lead to Olave oh, yeah. moving up. Right. So I would go ahead and rank him. I'm probably going to go ahead and rank him ahead of Garrett Wilson just because like I know that that could happen. Right. That's hmm. in the cards. So I feel like there's probably a few less obstacles that he has to overcome versus Garrett Wilson, despite the fact that I, I like Garrett Wilson better as, you know, just the player. Um, but this is for 2022. If I'm in Dynasty, I'm still sticking with Garrett Wilson over a lot. Still Garrett over Alave Dynasty. I mean, we do need to give Alave some credence in terms of being the most pro-ready wide receiver to come out. I remember last year we gave Mac Jones that treatment before the draft, and then he played like the best rookie quarterback for really the entire season, and we all kind of acted shocked, and it was like, oh my gosh, should he have gone first overall? <laughs> Look how much better he is than these guys when this was a narrative we were spinning the whole time. So yeah, even though, uh, you know, Dwayne, at first instinct, I wanted to rank Garrett ahead of Alave. Probably more so because I've been ranking Garrett ahead of Alave for the last, you know, two, three months talking about this. But for 2022 only, you know, it's one competition with Michael Thomas. And it's not like the Jets are just throwing the ball at this completely um, out, out of this world rate, you know, compared to the Saints. So Chris Alave, Garrett Wilson, would you say it's two, like 2A, two 2B, two 2C two with uh, Jameson and maybe London and Burks kind of in that tier one for redraft? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, right now. I, I, I do think it's it's probably I'm probably going Burks, then London, then Alave, then Wilson. But but to your point, Burks and London in a tier kind of together tier. if we're just talking the rookies, right? Wilson and Alave in a tier, but but Alave slightly ahead just because of the outs that he has. Go back to that real quick. Like just so like folks like yeah. that are um looking on YouTube and those those of you that are just listening on the pod, like go check out 
like the uh, our skill position tracker on the fantasy side, like we put together some really cool visuals for you guys. We take the rookie profiles, you know, that we had already been working on that Ian and I have covered on the show, you know, where we look at all the the stuff like draft capital, you know, their age, their dominator, career yards per run, explosive targets, all that stuff. But now we've added in really their opportunity profile. But it's just look at it to the right. Ian. It's like so what we put in the highest uh, teammate ADP. And so with Drake London at receiver, the highest teammate is two nineteen. Um, that's that's the first that's Auden, man. That's Auden Tate. Put his name on there. Show some respect. I should have just put his. I should have just like wrote his name in. Over. Just wrote Auden Tate and then did bright blue. But I did go over to the Titans. I went over to my ADP tab that this is pulling from, and I went ahead and wrote over AJ Brown. Like I changed that Tennessee to Philly. So uh, Robert Woods is who you're yeah. seeing there at 122. So London Burks, they both have the lowest you know, ADP as far as a teammate right now, those will both obviously change. But then also when you, the the big thing, like it's just looking at the quarterback ADPs to the right, that's the killer. Like the the quarterbacks that these guys landed with, the ADPs are 30, 22, 25, 29, and 26. And 26 is for Dotson. Sorry, people are listening. They're like, we didn't know what you're talking about doing. So London is QB 30, Wilson 22, Alave 25, Jameis. They're all bad. They're all bad. 29, (laughs) Dotson 26. Traylon Burks 19. That sounds really good after you just heard the other ones. So before we move on, Dwayne, I want to show you, man, look at my cool ass bottle opener. It's this army guy that like, you know, risked his whole life just to open up my beer. Appreciate your army guy. Appreciate Pacifico Brewery hooking me up. I for step this. on army, army guys in my backyard all the time. Still can't <laughs> play with them all the time when he was little. But Dwayne, I should mention this at the top of the show. Yes, everyone, we do have our 2022 NFL Draft Tracker. Fantasy football analysis for all skill position players picked live on PFF.com. Myself, Dwayne McFarland, Nathan Yonke. Truly busting our collective assets to get this thing updated. We've been pre-writing stuff. We are ready to go with analysis on each and every player. we got Dwayne's handy-dandy tables and more and more analysis. And even for you know some of these guys, particularly the first-round picks, we even have some one-off profiles that are even more analysis if that's what you're looking for. So yeah, Dwayne and I are going over for this now but if you're like us you've had a couple beers already maybe you're not you know remembering things the greatest right now we got you on pff.com go check that out in the morning and throughout the rest of the weekend we'll have you caught up and believe me we'll be back here talking about it as well Dwayne, next wide receiver that went three in a row. They were in the same damn wide receiver room. Same starting offense for the Ohio State Buckeyes in 2020. Unfortunately, couldn't get past the Alabama. We'll you know, cry about that again another day. The Detroit Lions selected Jameson Williams with a 12th overall pick. Similar to Chris Olave, not necessarily the most wide open offense just in terms of guys that have left, but the guys that are there, that were always there, aren't really the biggest competitions regardless. So, like, we got Josh Reynolds to beat out. Shouldn't be much of a problem. Uh, DJ Chark got signed for $10 million. I don't think that's going to keep the number 12 overall pick on the bench. We do have a Monroe St. Brown, but at a minimum, Jamison Williams is going to be out there starting as he should be. The guy is a baller as soon as that knee is healthy enough to get him going. The question is, Dwayne, what can Jared Goff provide this offense? Can he enable two fantasy-relevant wide receivers like he did with the Rams? And that is the one thing. I think, you know, some of you Gen Zers today playing fantasy football that went around in 2018, 2019, you didn't see Goff do great things. And yeah, okay, maybe it was all Sean McVay, but Jared Goff existed enough in that moment between McVay 
figuring out what he wanted to do, and then telling Jared for him to put up for him to allow his wide receivers to put up some big numbers. 2017 wide receiver 25, wide receiver 32 PPR finishes for his top two guys. Two top 13 finishes in 2018, two top 14 finishes in 2019, two top 26 finishes in 2020. Even last year, Amonra finished as the wide receiver 21. So, Dwayne. I don't think we need to be terrified about Amonra and, you know, Jameson having enough targets to go around because, yeah, we got Swift and Hawkins in there, but the Lions are still going to be bad, and we know Jared Goff is going to be slinging it around. I know the Garoppolo-esque ADOT isn't going to help, you know, the deep ball and all that, but out of all these bad quarterbacks, I'm a little more confident in Goff, like, being bad but still helping his wide receivers be good in fantasy. I agree because we've seen it. You know, we've seen it. Um, I have less confident, you know, in the play calling than what we got yeah. with Sean McVay. <laughs> Fair. Um, with, with the Lions and Dan Campbell and uh, Ben Johnson, you know. Everybody got to know generic Ben Shout Johnson. Out. Um, so it's, uh, it's a situation where with, with Williams, look, man, like the profile, like he's just an electric receiver. Like, and if, if you watched him, like anybody that's watched him, you can see it. And it's not, I think people early on in the process just thought Jamison Williams was this deep threat. But then you start seeing him catch slants and all these other things and just run away from these guys so easily in the SEC. Just a very talented receiver, um, 29% explosive target rate over his career. So those are those are receptions of 15 um, yards or more. And, I mean, 2.51 yards per route run. I mean, he's just still a young guy, only 21.4. I mean, people just you know didn't quite know about him early in the process because you know they just thought, well, he was stuck at Ohio State. He couldn't get on the field. We're not going to pay any attention. But then once they turned on the film, start looking at the underlying metrics, and now you see the draft capital to back it up. Like, I agree. Like, if Williams was healthy, man, if we knew he was fully healthy, he would rank third for, for 2022. Don't yeah. you think? Like, I, I would, I would third, still have but London. But I think it would be the same tier. Burks. Yeah, I think London and Burks would still be a tier ahead. I agree. Yeah. But, but then I think Williams would be in his, probably in his own tier. And then you'd be Garrett Wilson, Olave um, after that. Maybe, man. This one's just, just because, one's, just because this one's going to be tough. Point, we've yeah. at least seen Goff do it. You know, I know we've seen. I mean, you could argue we have seen Jameis do it too. I just I don't think there's any way they want to let Jameis just open it up. You know, in New Orleans, it's always in the range of outcomes. Like it's possible, but I think they're really gonna. They want to play defense. Like the Lions, like they can't play defense. I mean, theoretically, they could be getting better. But, you know, they're still they're still a good ways off. So, like, the so, Lions, if they want to be competitive, they're going to have to play offense. Jameson Williams should be in that similar wide receiver three range. What are we doing with the Monroe St. Brown? We knew this was a possibility. We made it through free agency, you know, I think in a great shape. DJ Chark is someone that did not worry us. Clearly didn't really worry the Lions either for them to, you know, use the 12th overall pick on Jameson Williams. We saw what Amon Ra did, you know, down the stretch last year. I have our PFF finishes tab open. I mean, final six weeks of the season, wide receiver six, 26, six, six, two, and nine. We all know Hawkinson, Swift were banged up during that stretch. But Jamison Williams could now come in and be the number one wide receiver in this offense from day one. I get it. Amonra, he's got the friendly confines of the slot. He's still going to be starting. Jamison isn't taking his job or anything like that. But Dwayne, this is this is steep draft capital. You know, it would have been a lot easier to swallow this pill if it had come, you know, in the second or third round, perhaps. Overall thoughts on Amonra. Is he someone that we're going to end up kind of ranking just right next to Jameson? Because right now, man, I, I think it's going to be tough to treat him as a top 24 receiver still. Well, he won't be a top 24 now, but the beauty is, like, he's going to fall in ADP. I mean, we talked about, we talked about, look, even if they take a guy in the first round, if you really think Amonra St. Brown is good, then, like, 
he's still going to be good. I mean, the guy came out and demanded a 30% target share every game over this period. You have to be a good player to do that. Um, so the way I look at him on Ross St. Brown is, you know, we talked about pre-draft. Look, he's a guy that, fine, when you can get it, when you get him, you get him, but don't push for it because this was a strong possibility because of the draft capital that the Lions had and that this is probably going to push him down. Like, he's going to fall a round or two as well. He may not fall as far as some of these other guys just because people are going to be worried about Jamison Williams' injury, right? And so we'll have to see really where he falls, but I, I'm still going to have him in my top 36. And I think he still get, he still gives you wide receiver one upside. If he's just a badass, he's a badass. Like, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. He does get to play in the slot. That was, you know, also Jared Goff's favorite, you know, with Cooper Cup. Yep. That wide receiver four finish that you talked about, that I think was in that third season that you mentioned for Goff, that was Cooper Cup. So I still feel good about him on Ron St. Brown. I think the guy that could really be hurting here is TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson has never fully yeah. taken that step forward and become like that 22, 23, 24% targets per route guy. Now, he still could. Tight ends take a little longer, but most of the guys, like when you look back at Kelsey, you look back at um, Gronk, you look back at um, Darren Waller, and now he was older, but still early in his career, they were already hitting thresholds, targets per route run, that we still haven't seen Hawkinson get to. Really, Hawkinson, like... What you're hoping for is Kenny turn into Zach Ertz. Like, like that's really – and now Ertz had a couple of really good seasons, so that's nothing against, you know, Zach Ertz. But everything kind of broke right for Ertz as well, you know, where, you know, he wasn't ever really an elite guy, but he was still on an offense that really designed – decided, look, we're just going to make it work, and we're going to really funnel, you know, as much of the offense, you know, as we can to you. And so I'm a little worried about – I'm more worried about Hawkinson, to be honest, than I am on Ross St. Brown. We, I would take Dalton Schultz. Gronk, Kittle, Waller, Kelsey, Andrews, definitely over Hawkinson, maybe even some other guys. I think Hawkinson, man, he's probably closer like the Dawson Knox territory now, wouldn't you say? Well, I, he's still better than Knox. Like, he's still, like, his targets per route run, like, he's still been, like, up towards 20 He's better now. for sure, but I'm just saying fantasy Knox ranking is never, wise, he's going no, down know, but, into that tier. But once I get to this range, the way I rank my guys is more on talent. So, um, like once I get low, lower, because I'm still looking for the upside and I know to uncork the big upside, like you need to have the talent. So I think the guys you just named him with, that's still his tier, but Hawkinson, I was already a guy that I was just, man, I was already kind of fading in because I wanted Kyler. I wanted Lamar Jackson. I just, there were these other players I wanted that were going in that range, especially over, over in the FFPC best balls. And so now the way I look at it. Um, you know, I'm even going to be less likely <laughs> to take TJ Hawkinson than I was before. And I wasn't taking him before. So I'm probably going to have really low exposure to TJ Hawkinson. I mean, and you and I have talked about it. A lot of it's just ADP, like where he's yeah. going. We feel just as good about taking Gronk, you know, four rounds later. And once Gronk signs, he'll probably still be getting him two rounds, maybe two <laughs> rounds or a round later than Hawkinson. So it's just going to be hard to want to, to want to go after Hawkinson when you don't think the upside might be there like we thought was maybe the case last year. Um, I just don't see it. Amon Ross, St. Brown, or the Broncos wide receivers, Judy, Cortland Sutton? Amon Ra. Wow. Amon Ra or Allen Robinson? Amon Ra. Damn. Like, we're still talking top 30 potentially. You really aren't sliding him much, Dwayne. Well, dude, I mean, he came out and he got, he, look, he hit the magic number over on the PFF, PFF rookie receiver. Okay. Like, no, I'm, I'm not like, saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I like it. Again, like as I get into these other tiers, like down here, um, I bet more on the talent than the situation. You know, um, you're going to have to be picking between those two things. 
a lot of times. And it's not to say that the situation doesn't ever matter, um, because it does. Like, that's we do the freaking utilization report. Of course, the damn situation matters. But um, he just flashed something so big early. Like, I just, I still feel like he could finish as a top 12 receiver. Okay. Now, I think he's in his range of outcomes. We've been talking about these guys, listing them out, and showing a ton of disrespect to uh, one guy. Haven't even said his name yet. Jahan Dotson to the Washington Commanders at pick 16. Not someone that we were out on, but maybe not as someone that we expected to be a top 16 overall pick. Not the best spot to go to. We already had Terry McLaurin there as the wide receiver one, expecting Carson Wentz to enable multiple fantasy relevant wide receivers. Has been wishful thinking over the years. I understand, you know, the Colts offense that was going through Jonathan Taylor, those Eagles offenses, you know, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard were really working as the de facto top pass game options. But man, Dwayne, we know Terry McLaurin's getting that. We know JD McKissick is going to be just taking way too many targets from everyone involved in this offense, as all Antonio Gibson managers can attest to. And I mean, hell, like, I, I, he should be the starting slot wide receiver. I would imagine it's going to be Terry McLaurin on one side, Curtis Samuel on the other, and Dotson in the slot. You don't pick the guy 16th overall, sit him on the bench. I have no idea where his fantasy ceiling is coming from, though, here, and I'm not sure that it's even worth a top 50 point to find, top 50 pick to find out. Yeah, I think it hurts. This hurts Curtis Samuel um, to me. Like it does uh, we, a we, lot. We, we, a we, lot know what, <laughs> we know what McLaurin's going to do. He he's a baller. Like he's going to do his thing, right? Um, so for me, like I'm still going to rank. I'm, I mean, Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, I mean, with the 16th pick, he had the third best, fourth best dominator of the class. One of the top ones. So the, so the top one was uh, 46% Khalil Shakir. Traylon Burks at 45%, but then you get David Bell at 44 You get Jahan Dotson at 33%. Broke out pretty young, 20, 20 and a half years. Um, so gets the, gets the capital like we talked about. So, I mean, I'm going to put him in the same tier. Like, you know, once Garrett Wilson, you know, and Alave are gone, like, I'm going to be fine taking Dotson. We'll see where his ADP goes. I'm still going to want exposure to him. I think mean, he belongs, you know, right in that range. We like those other prospects better. Um but he can, I could see a path where he's the number two target for Washington. And to your point, like we don't love Carson Wentz, um, but they've been pretty, they've been fairly pass heavy, you know, over these um, early years with Rivera and Scott Turner. You know, so we could see them continue to rely on the passing game. Um, and if they do that, like I could see a path where he's the number two receiver on the team this year. I mean, you're still going to have to deal with Logan Thomas, still going to deal with Curtis Samuel. It could also very easily be Terry McLaurin's like the main guy. And then all the other three are just kind of like, you know, drowning each other out. Like that's a total possibility. That that sounds like a Carson Wentz offense, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically what the Colts were last year, man. It was. Just being there. So how about, all right, Dotson or Tyler Boyd? Uh, Boyd. Dotson or. God, Boyd is so underrated this year. Dotson man. or uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantlin? I'm going to give Dotson a shot. Like Valdez-Scantling just, you know, they're, they're close, but Scantling is just. He's already had Aaron Rodgers, and he couldn't do it when they needed him yeah. to be the wide receiver, too. Nah, and now we fair. all think Mahomes is going to fix it. I don't know. Now, he will get more pass volume. Like, the Chiefs throw the ball more than the Packers. So, Dotson or Chase Claypool? Claypool. Yeah. Okay. He, he's a little bit lower than – I don't think he's going to be in that Garrett Olave tier. I think he might be in the next one. Maybe not more than five, six wide receivers. Yeah, maybe you put him down like, where you're going to end up with, like, Rondell Moore. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, Curtis Samuel will probably be close to the same tier with him. Um, yeah. You know, so, yeah. All right. We talked about him a bit already, so we don't need to spend that much time on him. But Tennessee Titans pick number 18. 
wide receiver Traylon Burks managed to, you know, get their AJB replacement right away. I mean, is this the end of Tannehill, man? Like, you didn't need to make this move for AJ Brown. You didn't need to make this trade right now. I don't think this makes them a better football team for 2022, obviously. For fantasy purposes, fantastic with Traylon Burks. I know that's what we're here to talk about, but... Just a perplexing decision, you know, from that standpoint for me, Dwayne. But at least, you know, we'll, we'll keep the fantasy uh, caps on here. With Traylon, he should be the number one wide receiver. And he's really, I mean, out of all these guys, I think probably the best chance to be a number one pass game option. I mean, even Drake London, you could argue him versus Kyle Pitts. Like, I think that's more competition than Traylon Burks has with Robert Woods there. So even if the raw targets because of the Titans run first offense, it could be pretty similar between Burks, London, perhaps Alave and Williams target share air yard share wise, you know, the guy that should be getting designed the most cool shit by their offense should be Traylon Burks. Yeah. We're, we're on the same page with this one. I mean, when I, when I look at Burks, it's like Woods doesn't worry me that much because he's never, he's never eclipsed 22% targets per route run. And that's not saying he's not good, but he's a complimentary receiver. Like and he's a really good complimentary receiver. They may get him involved in the running game a little more like what the Rams used to do. Like there's a lot of good things about Robert Woods' game. So I'm not, I'm not trying to knock him, but he's not going to be a 30% guy. Like it's just, yeah. it's not in his wheelhouse. It would have happened by now. So that means there's still plenty of targets available, even though it is a run centric, you know, offense. Um, but you can get a lot of efficiency out of it, which is nice for a player like Burks that, to your point, should be getting the design stuff. Now he's still going to have to do his part. You know, um, I like Traylon Burks. You know, I'm very much on board with him. Um, but people are right. Like, there's some flaws. And, like, if you go watch some of his routes, like, um, there's some ugly stuff. There's some ugly stuff out there. But, like, he is an athlete. You know, he can do stuff with the balls with the ball in his hands. So it's like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy into that, Ian. It's like he's got the best quarterback. I like the scheme fit that he has. I'm going to buy into him, you know, working. And we see these guys progress, right? A lot of times they don't get the greatest coaching in college. We don't know all the reasons that these things happen. And so I'm going to buy in, you know, to the fact that for 2022, I just, I love the landing spot. It's still an early first round pick. We've seen the athleticism. He's, he's got the better quarterback. So I think you just lean into these guys, um, like with him in London. But I give him this. I give him the higher ceiling than London this year. Traylon Burks or the Broncos wide receivers, Judy and Sutton. That's it. That's that's the range right yeah. there. But I'm gonna probably take Burks. Um, Ooh. Probably I take lean Burks. the Broncos, but that's about the spot. Allen Robinson or Burks. But but it, but you're hitting it because it's similar, yeah. right? We do think the Broncos. We don't think they're just going to open it up and just go crazy based on their offensive coordinators. They're going to be more around 62 percent drop back rate. And there's more target competition in Denver. And there's more target competition, yeah. right? Probably be fifty eight percent drop back rate or so, something like that. What do we have it projected for? We have, which we have this shit projected. Like me, you, and Nathan actually fifty five percent, fifty five percent. Yeah, so we got them at fifty five percent. And then we've got, um, where do we have the Broncos at? I have that. I would have to look that one up. We've got the Broncos. Not going to be substantially higher, I would guess. Yeah, it's a little bit. We've got them. Broncos at 62. So, I mean, it's a 7%. Right, yeah, so, so they're, but, but still, to your point, less target competition. But So a little more passing for the Broncos, but more competition. Less pack, passing for the Titans, but less. So it's like that's what puts them together. Yeah, better quarterback with Denver, together. but yeah, they're together. Okay. Yeah. 
I will live with that. Finally, let's close things out with a quick look at Kenny Pickett. And I mean quick because, Dwayne, you know, we've talked about these quarterbacks. He was the one. And the fake slide, that was athletic as hell. I'm not trying to say he's a statue by any stretch. But if you just look at Kenny Pickett's rushing catalog as a whole, he wasn't used as, as a design rusher. And I'm not expecting him to all of a sudden unlock that at the NFL level. We are not talking about Josh Allen here. Should be. The week one starter, you would think only Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph are going to be the competition. Trubisky's two-year, $14 million contract only includes $5 million guaranteed. Perfectly reasonable backup money for a team that is seemingly trying to continue to compete in the post-Big Ben era. So with Pickett, Dwayne, the comps, I mean, not the comps, but like the guy, the fantasy guys I think he's in the range of, Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz. But honestly, like I would kind of rather pick all of those guys ahead of Pickett. He seems like someone that, you know, in rookie drafts, this is great. We got the Steelers landing spot, a place that I think a lot of people were hoping Malik Willis would end out, you know, have end up getting a good organization, having Deontay, Claypool, Najee, Fryermuth. He got some weapons around there. It's a good spot for Pickett. Maybe he, you know, exceeds expectations. I'm not out on him as a real life quarterback, but it's just my same takeaway really as Mac Jones, the Patriots last year. Even if he is good in real life, I just don't think we're getting much of much of anything in fantasy. Yeah, I I don't either. And, and look, you're not going to have to draft him. He's probably not going to be drafted. He will be in best ball some, but for the most part, he'll like be three in best redraft, ball. Like on your team, it'll be your third quarterback. Right. It, but it, like in redraft, he, he's a waiver wire. If he comes out and surprises, he's a waiver wire pickup. Like, and if he surprises you in week one, he's definitely a guy you want to pay attention to because we know he has the weapons. Um, but he would definitely have to come out and do something like that because he's just, he's not going to demand the capital in your redraft. Yeah, I think that's about all we need to talk about with uh, Kenny Pickett. Dwayne, look at us. Post-night draft. Got a lot done. Under an hour. Thank you all for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow night breaking down rounds two, rounds three of the NFL draft, going through each and every skill position player once again. And once again, wanted to just say you can find all this information in written form over at pff.com. Again, have fantasy football analysis for all skill position players picked. Myself, Dwayne, and the GOAT, Nathan Yonke, making that happen. Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest? No, man. Um, it's it's funny. Like, I was so excited for all the trades and everything, but trying to keep up with it all, it's like tomorrow night, it's like, do we want them just like to bring us all the smoke again? Like, and go nuts <laughs> with all the trades, or do we want to actually be able to try to keep up with it all? Actually, I think we did a really good job. So, no, I'm, I'm excited. Still quite a few names that we didn't see go off in the first round. You got uh, Pickens available, Sky Moore, you know, Austin Gale's favorite from PFF. Um, we've got Brees Hall still sitting on the board. Kenneth Walker, KW3, still boy. sitting there, Christian Watson. There's still a lot of names. So, I mean, I think I think early second round, mid-second round tomorrow is going to be a lot of fun. Um, running backs, everything is unknown right now. No running backs in the first round. As always, not as always, but for all three days of this NFL draft, I invite you all to use code DRAFT50 to get 50% off a PFF Elite Annual Subscription. If you appreciate us as your fantasy provider, gambling provider, you just like the content, want to be a smarter football fan, this is the time to act. Again, Draft 50 gets you 50% off the PFF Elite in the Annual Subscription. That's the best offer we're going to have all season. So support the podcast. Again, code Draft 50 for 50% off of PFF Elite Annual Subscription. Thank you, everyone, once again for tuning in. We will be back tomorrow night. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. It's been the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody. 